Hello and welcome to the Transcending CRM Podcast, a show where we explore how the Salesforce ecosystem has impacted the careers of fellow trailblazers and the businesses that have leveraged dynamic growth from the platform. This podcast is brought to you by Silverline. Silverline is a Salesforce digital transformation consultancy headquartered in New York City, specializing in financial services, media and entertainment, and healthcare industries. I am your host, Elliot Spence, Principal Consultant at Silverline, along with my co-host, J.P. Owens, Managing Director of Banking and Lending at Silverline. Welcome back, J.P. Thanks, Elliot. And before we jump in, I feel like congratulations are in order for you, right? Dreamforce Speaker 2023? Yeah, thank you very much. My first time speaking at Dreamforce will be this year. You know, been out there pretty much every year except for the pandemic since 2017 and, you know, been inspired and learned a lot from everybody out there. So I'm looking forward to joining all the great presenters on the stage out there. And we're only a couple months away. So real quick, what, what is your session about? and Where are people going to be able to find you? My session will be in the admin, uh, the admin area, and I'll be speaking about uh, perfecting your Salesforce demos. So a lot of us admins and consultants, we're used to giving a lot of Salesforce demos. So I'll be speaking about mastering the demo techniques, the different demo techniques. Well, and later on this episode, I'd like to ask one of our guests to rank you and our other special guests on who does a better demo potentially. Well, I never got to do a demo for KC. Well, that's a good transition into what we're doing today. So today we're joined by Casey Barnett. Casey is the Salesforce Administrator at Five Star Bank. Casey has been with Five Star for two years and was a key stakeholder in Five Star's evaluation and implementation of Salesforce. We are also joined, as you may have heard, by another special guest, a former guest from the Transcending CRM podcast, Tanner Mueller. Tanner is a solution architect and a marketing go-to-market lead here at Silverline. So Casey and Tanner, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's going to be a great, great episode. So Casey, go ahead and take a moment and tell us a little bit about yourself and your current role at Five Star Bank. Sure. So I've uh, been at Five Star, I said, uh, almost two years now. This is my first foray into financial services and the banking ecosystem. Um, kind of before this, I was at a tech startup in Buffalo in the 3D printing additive manufacturing world. And that's kind of where I came to Salesforce. I was in a sales role there. We got Salesforce, no one knew what to do with it, and kind of just slowly taught myself. And this, you know, startup world, everyone's wearing lots of hats. And it kind of slowly ate away at my sales job. And uh, eventually, after maybe about a year of doing that transition to kind of my full-time role and Got certified, did that for a year and a half, and came over to Five Star in October of 2021. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun journey. That's awesome, and it's something. It's a good lead end into another question I like asking everybody. There's a lot of you know twisting and turning roads, and what leads people to Salesforce. So your professional career started a little bit more on the sales side, and over the years you have you know started to transition more and more into Salesforce. How do you feel your previous roles, your previous positions that you have held have helped you better prepare for your current Salesforce role? Yeah, I think the obvious answer is probably understanding it from how a sales rep uses a CRM system, which is almost never as how an admin or an architect wants to make it. So <laughs> I think understanding that and, you know, what people, you know, a lot of times on the admin or architect side, I think you, you know, we can kind of design these really you know, beautiful synergies and, and automation tools. And then it comes down to it and present it to, you know, leadership or the sales teams. And they say, no, nah, we don't like that. We're, we're not going to do that. So too many steps or too many clicks, or we just want to do this. And so I think, you know, coming from it, 
from now both ends, you know, it's, it's a good understanding of how people are going to use it, how people won't use it and how to train to that. And, and maybe, you know, marry the two as well, try to bring both, you know, to the middle, encourage the salespeople to kind of use some tools or, you know, get into it, how they might not have before to get more out of it. And how we can kind of accommodate that a little bit on the, uh, on the, on the admin side. So, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And, you know, just from working with you on some of our past projects, you know, it's, it's something that you provide a, a very good background and skill set and point of view on how, you know, the users of the system, whether it's uh, different bankers or operations, you know, how they're going to use this system, how they want to use the system. And it's clear that, you know, you've benefited a lot from the previous experience that you have, whether it's on Salesforce, or not on Salesforce, just given a unique perspective on, you know, the efficiencies and what can be built into the platform. So it's been great. You know, it's, it's a good perspective that you provide. Yeah, and it's fun to see this too, where I came, you know, in financial services, I came from a very, whether it was, I was in dental and medical sales and insurance, and then the additive manufacturing where it was, you know, B2B, you know, big machines or chemistry solutions and stuff like that. So very traditional, like longer sales cycles, pure sales reps and territories. So now the financial service, we have a big mix, like our commercial teams are more traditional sales model. Where they're, you know, outbound, they're closing big deals with, you know, commercial real estate developers, businesses, things like that. And then we have other teams like contact center or retail bankers that are using it to to track and, you know, get into more of a sales role. So it's it's fun to see how all these different teams are, you know, using it anywhere from just people that aren't salesy at all to just pure sales reps. So it's it's a good mix. I'm hearing another theme about change management and really understanding how they need to use it and what's in it for them. So before we before we jump to that, Casey, I did want to talk a little bit more about your first exposure to the platform. Was your last role your first time getting exposure? And was it always lightning or do you go far enough back to be a, a former classic admin as well? No, it was always lightning. So luckily, I didn't have to kind of learn two systems or make that transition. So just always was in there so I could learn that. And I wouldn't say hit the ground running, but I didn't have to, you know, make the change kind of learn one way and then all of a sudden flip the switch and and go with lightning. But yeah, I mean, I I, I started the, the the last job. I was in medical or dental sales and a, a guy that knew at that company left and went to this little startup in Buffalo. And then a few months later reached out to me that they needed some help and had some openings. So I led um, their business development inside sales team to them. We had two, three outside reps kind of scattered across the country. And then we headed it inside from, from Buffalo. I was like employee right around 30 or 31, I think. And so shortly, like weeks after I signed on, we had bought Salesforce and it was totally like cut and paste out of the box. Just flip the switch. Here you go. Nothing, you know, in there. And no one knew what to do with it or how they just knew they wanted, they needed something to track, you know, opportunities, leads, that kind of thing. So my boss was the VP of marketing at the time. And so it kind of just fell under her. And then we just started to, you know, try to figure out how to do it. I mean, I remember going on my LinkedIn network and figuring out like, does anyone here know Salesforce? Like, I've never even heard of this. And I messaged a guy that I probably hadn't talked to in 10 years, went to like high school or college together. And I was like, how do I make a field? <laughs> we just got Salesforce. And he said, you know, click the wheel in the top right. And I think the next day I messaged him again with another question. He's like, dude, go to Trailhead. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what's Trailhead? <laughs> so then, I mean, I just dived into Trailhead. Like, this is super cool. Figuring out all we can do. And just the gamification of it was fun for, for my brain. 
so yeah, I mean, it's literally without even knowing like where to click to make a field to, you know, a year later being the admin for the company as we kind of, I think when I left, we were around 80, 90 people. So we're going fast and yeah, so it just all grew, grew from there, but it really was, yeah, Trailhead was the, the impetus for, for learning and, and teaching myself how to do it, you know, while juggling lots of other stuff in the, in that startup world. So it was a lot of fun. Were you primarily on sales cloud or what all were you using at the startup? Yeah. Just sales cloud. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple uh, for your, your 40 to 80 people, right? Pl- plenty <laughs> yeah, plenty I mean, to there adopt was, in there. There was no bells and whistles in that system when we started. I mean, it was as basic sales cloud as you can get for, you know, I'm sure they just called up or ordered it. I don't even remember how it happened, but they probably sent us a link here, turned it on. And, you know, I don't think there was even a rep involved to like help us activate it or something like that. So, yeah. So fast forward to now, you've gone from a sales rep to an admin at a startup to now an admin at a bank. And at Five Star today, you all are using much more than just sales cloud. You have a lot of things kind of either already active and across the lines of business or potentially in flight right now from an implementation perspective. Can you tell us a little bit more about your Salesforce journey since you joined Five Star and kind of what's your overall strategy right now from the products you're using and, and how you're looking to take advantage of them going forward? Yeah. I mean, it's been a whirlwind. It's been super fun. I mean, I came on, we've joked about it a bunch, you know, with, with you and, and Tanner and Elliot that I, I came on six weeks before go live back in, you know, I think our go live was first week of December, 2021. And I started October 25th. So that was like drinking from a, a fire hose for a long while. So, I mean, did we start financial services cloud? We just, with help of you guys are launching marketing cloud and then lots of tools, you know, underneath it. We're just scratching the surface with CRMA, RevEye. So, you know, Tableau is 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 going to get in there. So we're we have all these tools. So we're just yeah, scratching the surface um, of what we have right now. But it's going to be really exciting, especially marketing cloud, when it's going to kind of start driving what, the data that we have in Salesforce to, you know, bring revenue and profitability to the system. And really, I think that will you know, highlight the big impact of it. That was always kind of on the radar of the goal to kind of establish it, accumulate the data and get it really everyone set on the system. And then once we can implement marketing cloud and really start being aggressive with the system as more of an outbound tool as well, that's going to make the big impact for the bank. Awesome. Yeah. And the nice part is I've got to see that. I think, you know, Hand in hand with Casey there from that perspective, like I said, uh, Casey and I work pretty tight together and, and, Casey, I think one thing, and this is a, a kudos to you. I mean, you and I work together, and I, and I think that whole sales exposure and prior role helps you sort of understand your constituents. You know, so a lot of times, I know I see you work with the lines of business and understand sort of the technical side and the architecture side, and then also understand that like, hey, it needs to be an easy button, you know, on the other side. So I, I you know, kudos to you for your great work there. And I, and I guess my question is. You know, what other items do you think that you've put together to really help transform yourself as a leader in the digital transformation space with Salesforce? Other than just, you know, or or maybe pontificate a little bit about, you know, how serving multiple roles helps you essentially build a better customer experience and just give us a little insight there. Yeah. I mean, I think even from a big part of that was in my last role or the, the last job, you know, that kind of startup, we always talk about wearing lots of hats. I mean, before, even when I was in the the sales role, you know, we would hop into like our engineering lab to help process parts and, you know, test equipment and, you know, go into like the chemistry room and clean up or pack up shipments in the ops room and stuff like that. So once I started in the Salesforce role, a lot of that kind of kept going. So, I mean, we would work with 
our operations team, we process our order fulfillment through Salesforce. So kind of launching that, I mean, working with them to how we can best feed this information back to you and like literally sometimes packing up boxes with them and then seeing how they interface with the Salesforce to track their orders, you know, in and out, um, even our engineering team with taking cases and tickets and they would process that or we have um, like demo parts people request to test what we could do. So they would send it in. We would run all that through like a customer or vendor portal into our Salesforce for the request. So two entirely different teams, engineering and sales, or three really engineering and sales and, you know, operations shipping department, all interfacing with our Salesforce. So three entirely different teams using a single tool in entirely different ways. And, you know, kind of mapping and, and figuring out how everyone's using this. I think that was a really good experience now where at Five Star, we have uh, retail bankers, three different teams of commercial bankers, really, you know, even then subsets with the big commercial teams and then treasury and merchant services and municipal and deposits and then our wealth and insurance lines. They're all entirely different products working and really interfacing with the system in different ways in their own different unique sales cycles, whether it's for their opportunities or referrals or cases. So, you know, working with all of them to, you know, on the one system, I think it's, a, it's a lot of fun to figure out how to, you know, how do we work this all together, but it fits into our big picture. It's the whole reason we went, to Salesforce. We want all those teams operating on the same plane and sharing that information. How do we get the best out of that so we can send referrals and we can, you know, cross sell and, and impact each line positively? Yeah. No, that, I think that's fantastic. And and I think what you mentioned there leads into a, a next really good question. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna load this too, right? To say, hey, I, I think there's been a lot of transformational stuff going on at Five Star. And I think there's been really a ton of great wins from that perspective. But the one thing we always want to know is that this is a, a learning process. A lot of people listen in to sort of find out like what were ahas or things we would do differently. Is there yeah. something that you would approach differently as long as it wasn't something I built, it was like something Elliot built. I think that's fine. Well, first, I mean, we definitely request Elliot not be a part of any future integration. <laughs> I mean, the learning, but, you know, it's a, <laughs> the learning we've, you know, no, it's the, you know, do what we, you know, not do what we do or do what we say kind of thing. So um, <laughs> learn from my mistakes, I guess. No, but Elliot's been great. I think the the biggest thing is there's, I think, a, um, a temptation, especially when we have the scale of the implementation across so many different lines of business and so many different teams and, and input into an entirely brand new system. And Salesforce really gives you this blank canvas of, you can do whatever you want with it, with enough resources. And there's a big temptation to customize everything and do all these different things wherever you can that you think are tailored just to you. And I think uh, what happens is down the road, you realize that maybe something's got overcomplicated. So I think leveraging whenever possible native functionality from Salesforce is huge. So I think right off the bat, when we started, there was a lot of custom work that we had done and a lot of what we did on our phase two when we brought Silverline on was undoing some of that to simplify things, A, for the long-term sustainability and maintenance of the org from the admin side, but more importantly for the user experience of our retail bankers, commercial bankers, wealth users. There's just a lot of things, too much going on. And I think sometimes from an admin side too, when you're really, I'm not going to say I'm, you know an expert on the system, but when there's a lot of experts on there, a lot of that thing, a lot of the Salesforce ease kind of language becomes second nature to us, where the end user, maybe it's 
not even so it's you might we might think something is oh yeah this makes sense in our brains because we're so used to salesforce but it it doesn't when someone's brand new to salesforce or not a super salesy or tech savvy person which will get all sorts of of that and and the bang for our end users so i think leveraging um native functionality whenever possible is is huge i think there's the second part probably it's hard to underestimate the importance of training and like a knowledge center for our users too. I think, I think we might've done that. We had really good training resources set up when we launched. And I think we took a lot of care from the launch of training people. But I think then the next start, the next step from that is really having a, a long-term model for the training, whether it's just a internal database resource specific for Salesforce. And then we have, you know, do hires on there constantly that so, Someone comes on six months later, they didn't get that really intense training we did from initial go live. So I think if you can set up a foundation for a knowledge center or training resources for people for just refreshers long-term and then new hires, and then anytime you you iterate on your in your platform, whether it was our phase two launch or just our kind of bi-weekly sprints or just quick fixes that we have in there, we can upload some stuff. And so that's something we're actually working on right now um, to have more of a knowledge center kind of within Salesforce. I would think uh, those are my my two biggest recommendations of kind of key things. Yeah, I love both of those. I, I like your call out number one of keeping it simple and using as much of the out of the box as you can. There is like a want and so many want to go in and just customize so much and like, and it's okay to do that for some processes. But when you're first adopting Salesforce, it's like crawl before you start sprinting and you know, crawl before you're, you know, even walking, like start in bite-sized chunks. And then your call out of the training materials, that's something that I always focus in on as much as I can with things like starting up like a chatter group where people can post and ask simple questions and where you can post your training resources and building out, like I call them quick hit videos, uh, where it's like, if someone's looking, they're a new hire and they're looking, how do I, how do I send a referral or how do I create this opportunity? Oh, here's a two minute video on how I can create an opportunity or how I send a referral or how I convert a referral. Because when you go live with Salesforce, there's just so much to take in. Even if you're doing a lot of those out of the boxes, when you're looking at referrals, opportunities, um, creating relationships and um, logging calls. And it's easy for people to forget how they do things. And if you make the training easily accessible for them, your adoption metrics, your adoption is just going to go through the roof and be even more than you ever imagined it to be if you keep it simple and you make that training readily available. Yeah, I think that's huge. And we can get lost in, or other people can get lost in even how many different ways you can do stuff. And so you can create an opportunity from like nine different places in Salesforce, but, yeah. you know, try to focus it and, and, you know, getting that, you know, here's the optimal way so we can pre-fill information for you. Everything's kind of connected, you know, map it out. And whether it's, you know, a quick deck, but we love that we're, we're getting into those, like you said, 30 second, one minute, two minute videos and trying to even tailor them sometimes. Scenario one, if you have this happen, scenario two, this is where you go and try to guide people through that way. And and that's been really impactful, I think, for us. For sure. And you know, with with five star, you've had a you've had a very intense Salesforce journey. A lot has been going on and there's been a lot of wins, but when you look at it for everything you've implemented across the different lines of businesses, what do you see as the biggest win that five stars experienced during this journey? That's a good one. I, it's hard to quantify it as a win because it's just such table stakes. And is the entire reason for doing this, of getting this like 360 degree view of the customer, 
but the start of all that, none of this happens without an integration to our core banking system. So I think for for all that, like all other wins kind of stem from that. So the integration that we get real time from our core banking where anyone can just look and see, okay, they have these financial accounts, this is created balances, all that, like that's table stakes for the whole for the whole thing. That's that's the ball game for Salesforce. We can get real-time customer data in. Um, that's huge. So I think like a one. That's been the biggest thing for us. Outside of that, and just kind of along the way, not paid to say this, I think Silverline's been the biggest win for us along the way. Coming in to clean up some of original things that weren't working, and then this consultative approach to here's what we have, you know, here's what we want, and like, actually, no, this is some best practices. I think for Five Star, this was Salesforce was a brand new journey into the CRM, so. We had a lot of things coming into it, like, oh, we like to do this. We've done this in the past. And there wasn't always a lot of kind of consultation of oh, this is how it fits into Salesforce or this is what other people are doing. You might not have ever thought of this. We can incorporate some of these things that way. So that consultative approach to what we did for phase two of the cleanup or just build some new enhancements has been huge. And I think along that, it's just like a lot of little things that add up to big wins, you know, where it's maybe like one of, I think, the the best features that's helped our retail team is a new login flow for when all of our retail bankers come into Salesforce each day that pops up just a pre before they log in, that login flow, they select what branch they're at that day. And then that's helping us track where opportunities, leads, tasks, anything that cases are originating from. And we've now just recently, on top of that, started to iterate a little bit more. We built a reporting snapshot in the last few weeks to help our retail team track all of their flow bankers. So we can see each day, point in time, these people logged into these branches, these branches, and now, oh, we're seeing some patterns of people aren't here, we didn't have coverage, or you know, some gaps in that. We can start tracking better where people are. So that's been great. I think one of the other recent things we've done for our contact center, again, kind of going back and like you said, Ellie, I think building blocks start simple, and then you can start kind of building upon that. Our contact center has grown. One of the reasons for it to grow was, or the, one of the you know, reasons or abilities for it was Salesforce. So we started adding an outbound team to our contact center, and they're they're solely living in Salesforce and, and leveraging that to to reach out to customers, kind of in addition in partnership with our retail branches, so they can go. And basically act as a as a digital branch and then reach out to customers on behalf of any marketing retail campaigns that we do. One of the things they wanted to see was where how many times are we reaching out to people? How many, you know, where is the most impact coming from? So we're able to build on top of the task object, we load things up. And part of it too, we're able to let them be uh, give them the tools and have them kind of self-sustain these campaigns. So now they're able to upload their lists of tasks tag it to the relationships that they want to contact. And kind of like one of the neat little things we built for them was just some follow-up tools within the task. So they didn't reach out, they can just click, you know, button to follow up. It'll schedule a task for a couple of days, keep all the same links to our campaign, to relationship, say that it's the second call or the third attempt, the fourth attempt if they want to keep going. And then they can also create the opportunities right from there as well. So if they need, and then the managers can can look at the reports and say, okay, hey, we had a thousand calls, thousand people in this campaign. It ended up being twenty three hundred calls. It averaged, you know, two point three calls per person. We found that, you know, we're finding the first or second call, or, you know, is where we're getting the most opportunities. That third one's almost not. So maybe we can start coaching people to 
maybe not do that third or fourth call or finding a different way or, you know, the email was a successful one for them to get a call back or things like that. So we have a lot of little, like little wins like that. I think that kind of stack up for big efficiencies for, for each line. And I think that's kind of my favorite part of being on the admin side too. Those like little puzzles little, how can we make this a little bit better for someone each day? So that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And I like how you called out there around using the data to coach and kind of adjust and drive different value within the different business units. And I think that's something that people often underestimate as well is the system allows you to track the process, track opportunities, track where maybe you could be doing something better, or maybe help you identify where maybe you should be spending your time. And I think it's really important that, to call out the fact that you and the team are not just helping build the process, but also it sounds like doing readouts back to the business, back to leadership to say, hey, here's something we're executing on. Here's how well it's working based on what we assumed coming into it. Here's how we're going to adjust and kind of move forward. Can you share a little bit more insight around how you and the team are helping sell value of the platform and what your efforts are are driving um, to leadership and to business line groups? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's another thing. We sorry, we uh, just had some, some meetings in the last few weeks about that as we kind of, it's been, we're approaching kind of the year mark of our phase two uh, initial phase one go live was kind of like, let's just kind of go and, and get the system. We Everyone's bought in. We have this plan. Let's get it built, see how it works, and, and then see where we need to iterate, improve, change, and pivot on things. So now we're, we're just going to be like, all right, we have this in place. What are we doing to prove the, the value of it? And it's kind of how we've talked about. It. It's kind of a weird thing. How do we compare it to something that's not pure Salesforce compared to not using Salesforce? Like, but where do we pile on our, our wins and and kind of report on you know our efficiencies? So we're we're looking at a lot of we're building a lot of reports dashboards for executive committee to so we can track deposits we're putting in you know metrics for tracking new money so we can see outbound efforts and then also trying to focus on and and getting some feedback from from reps or incorporating maybe some external some feedback data. How did you use this your previous? or our previous CRM system, you know, maybe how long did it take you to input stuff? What did your sales cycle look like before? How does it look now? Now we can see, okay, our commercial team is closing opportunities the next days. They're doing these kind of things. We have, you know, these automation tools in place. So these different pieces that used to be a very manual process are now automated. So it's a little bit of, we have some reporting data and then let's put together kind of a project list of the biggest maybe flows or efficiency tools we put in to automate formerly manual processes or connect data that we couldn't before. And then I'm we're really excited to we haven't really even taken it out of the box or you know taken it out of the garage for a drive yet is some of our tools like CRMA, RevI that we can really start leveraging, you know, here's where we're actually driving revenue from the system. Here's where profit actually, you know, tools that Salesforce is is giving us that's bringing in new business that we might not have gotten before. So it's a that's a new we've finally had some time to breathe from from the last you know year and a half of of the system being live and you know now how do we kind of pause reflect on that 18 months and and say here's where the biggest impacts were let's go keep forward with that and and obviously you know show leadership that you know this has been a huge tool for us and the next one marketing cloud is going to be awesome for that too and we can really start seeing the outbound efforts and not just kind of the aggregation of data or efficiencies there. So we're excited about that too. That, that's great stuff, Casey. And, and, and also there's been a ton of great nuggets in here. So I, I think from a 
hey, what tips or recommendations would you give to essentially another product owner or another financial institute or another admin? I mean, I think some of the ones that have come out is, you know, hey, keep it simple, you know, make sure you've got long-term strategy for change management and things like that. What would be some other maybe items that we didn't already cover, Casey, that you would maybe give to another uh, product owner or financial institute that wants to start the same journey? Yeah, I think bringing in even I would say internally bringing, as soon as you make the decision to get Salesforce, hire an admin or an architect that's experienced with the system right away. So I think on on our ends that we hired, I think they made the decision maybe 10 months prior to go live. So like that, we're getting Salesforce to actual go live is about 10 months. See, I came on just before that. The admin we had in place probably got hired about the halfway mark. So I think there wasn't anyone inter- like an internal advocate for Salesforce for the bank for that first like design in, in initial phase. So it was a lot of, we had people internally that knew banking, obviously experts and, and knew five-star knew what we wanted, but didn't know Salesforce and didn't know how that could fit necessarily in place. So a lot of the times that married up fine. Um, and other times it didn't just the ways Salesforce organizes data could be, it's very different than some other systems, especially from what our, your wealth team had with some of their like juncture system and you know what commercial and what retail use. So they were advocating for all these things and wanting it to look like they had before. And I think if we had a person right from the get-go internally that could advocate for the system and kind of customize and tailor that and be that expert to how to design things, and that would be that would be huge. And that investment initially up front. Would pay, will pay dividends a long ways. And it's a lot of the stuff we got with you guys for the phase two of just knowing how that fits in financial services and Salesforce and our custom needs for the bank and our, you know, every bank's a little bit different. So I think as fast as you can hire someone internally to help you that knows Salesforce to help you start the process of even looking for your RFP process with looking for your first implementation partner. I think that's huge. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, it's it's something just having some of those experts along for the ride or um, bringing somebody in that has a full understanding and, and not even a full understanding, just a great understanding of, you know, Salesforce, financial services. They have that banking or financial services background uh, that can really be that that advisor just pays huge dividends. So we like to end our podcast by asking our guests all the same question, but I'm going to hold off on that for now because I'm going to ask you a couple questions. You know, you may not be prepared for these, but I think you can answer them. So number one, what's the best place in Buffalo to get Buffalo wings? Well, for, I have to correct you. No one in Buffalo calls them Buffalo wings. So oh, it's just, on. <laughs> no one's doing Buffalo wings. Nowhere See, get, I'm not, I'm not Buffalo. Buffalo I'm not in Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, so there's nowhere to get buffalo wings in Buffalo. Uh, you can get wings. You can get yeah, wings or chicken wings. Uh, taken Tanner now, uh, so he, he can answer this one as well. But barbells. So That's what I hear a, from everybody. Barbells. Yeah, so I, I can second that. Yeah, so I think that would be, if you pulled a thousand Buffalo people, I would probably estimate sixty. You know, six hundred people would say barb. Other than then, they have kind of their different corners or you know different neighborhood spots they love. You'll hear like there's some good ones, nine eleven tavern or um kelly's corner you know things like that it's like little neighborhood spots but i think bar bills has kind of established themselves as the uh the best I hear the next bar one bills, we have to get tanner i hear i hear duffs i hear anchor bar i hear gabriel's gabriel's gate i hear a lot gabriel's gate you'll hear a lot you won't hear anchor bar ever duffs you hear every once in a while 
Yeah, and you'll hear Duff's. So Anchor Bar and Duff's are kind of the two OGs. Obviously, Anchor Bar is the famous, the original one, um, and then Duff's um, is kind of was the kind of the uh, the second one. Um, so those are kind of the OGs of the Buffalo chicken wing, you know, scene. But uh, I'd, I'd have a few that I'd put in front of either of them for sure. All right, and this podcast will release probably about two weeks from today. So we're we're a couple weeks away from. Dreamforce. Are you going to Dreamforce Five Star? Will Five Star have a pre- presence at Dreamforce? We're going to Dreamforce. Very excited. It's you know a good lesson too to always do things as fast as you can. I I looked at the hotel list. We we're going to stay where where you guys are, and I said, oh great, I'll go upstairs and get my card and grab a bite to eat. And so I made lunch, and twenty minutes later came down, and the hotel was gone. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're staying a little bit further away than we did last time, but it's still, we're having a good time. We're in Union Square, so it'll be fine. still just on the other side of everything from from you guys. So we'll make the trek around and uh, excited to see you for the, you know, your first presentation. And I think that's kind of, we always learn at Dreamforce, like what's the new technical things we can learn? What new stuff can we build? What are new features in Salesforce? And I'm excited to, you know, see, I think sometimes we overlook the the skill of presenting and and teaching to our, our people, which is a huge part of our job. So I'm excited to see the presentation on that, Ellie. That'll be really fun. No, it's fun. I'm looking forward to it. I, I must note, I'm also not where JP and probably Tanner stand. My hotels, when I when I got the book, they were all booked and gone. So I'm up, I'm up, up at the top of Knob Hill. I'm at the Intercontinental is where I'll be staying. So right. I'm not, probably yeah. not far from you on Union Square. All right. Yeah. So last, last question. Would you be able to share a fun fact about yourself that not many people may know? This could be an accomplishment, talent, fun, or almost unbelievable story. It can be how you're some kind of fancy high-end bartender that can do all kinds of tips and tricks like Tanner can. So what, <laughs> what, what, what is it about Casey that we need to know? Oh, man, I won't share any bartending stories or anything. I've, uh, I'm have i a very amateur cocktail maker, but I remember I, I texted Tanner a couple of Kentucky Derby weekend. We had a derby-themed party for uh, my daughter's second birthday. So family and friends over, and I was making mint juleps, and I, I texted Tanner a photo of my mint julep setup, and he immediately replied with his mint julep setup that put mine to <laughs> shame, and I wanted to delete what I sent to him right away. So I don't know, fun story. I guess well, we talk bills and, and bangles and that kind of stuff a lot. So I guess I'll I'll tie in. So one of my good friends used to work for the Bills in kind of the video and, and scouting department. And during games, he'd be on the field and he's in this like little hut and he would control all the cameras in the stadium to take pictures of the dude. So when you see guys like looking through photos after they throw an interception or something, that's what my buddy would like run. So they usually have interns that will take the books to the different players or coaches. So this was a Thursday night game and they couldn't have the interns because it was prime time and the interns were all kids. So it's at night and they couldn't do it. So he asked me, do you want to come onto the field and help me like run the books out? Like I print the stuff and you stuff them into the binders, stuff the photos into the binders and run them out. So I'll assign you to whoever. So this was a, this was a number of years now uh, ago. So this was the Rex Ryan era of the Buffalo Bills. And his brother, Rob Ryan, was our defensive coordinator. We're playing the Jets. And the Jets had Ryan Fitzpatrick. So from our beloved in Buffalo, from our Fitzmagic days. But he was in New York and with probably vengeance on his mind for the Bills letting him go. And the Bills were heavily favored in that game. You know, and Fitzpatrick is just shredding us up and down the field every time the Jets are on. And my assignment was to run the book to Rob Ryan. 
And every single time after every defensive series, we put out the photos and go and give it to him. And he would just wave me off. He never wanted to look at the book. <laughs> so I was just like, maybe you should look at the book, Rob. Um, but it was a wild <laughs> experience. Just like being on the field, on the sideline with players. I remember, I think you were in the wedding with him once, Elliot. Richie Incognito yes. was a Bills offensive lineman. And I'm not a, I'm not a big part. I'm not tiny. I'm six foot. And I remember running. It's like a turnover. I like, got to get this binder to Rob in case he wants to look at it for once. And I turn around and I ran straight face first right into Richie Incognito's chest. My face, nose hit him dead between the pecs. And I just looked straight. I was like, I didn't know how large these people are. He never even noticed that I walked right into him. Just didn't <laughs> blink, didn't turn his head. That just shows you how big these guys are and how strong they are. Just I walked right into him and didn't even know. But hearing just the way those guys say it's right on the sidelines and stuff, that was a, a super cool experience and super fun. But unfortunately, my career on the Bills sideline was is 0-1 lifetime so far. So thanks to Ryan Fitzpatrick and maybe partially Rob Ryan. We got the you got to be oh. down there. That's awesome. That's a got to be down really there. It's cool super experience. super cool experience. Just wild how fast and how big and strong those guys are. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you have Fitzpatrick's beard now, so that works out good. Yeah, no, I got a lot of I got a lot of ways to go. My wife might have a you know a big say in the matter if I ever wanted to go that long, but <laughs> I tried to get cut in my, in my sleep before it ever got that far. I think, but we're always up for some magic in Buffalo. We'll show up anytime. Well, that's awesome. We don't want to take all of your time up. I know everybody's got busy schedules, but I want definitely wanted to thank you for taking time out of your day to share some of your sales your Salesforce experience and your time working as a on the NFL sidelines. But yeah, we look forward to linking up with you at Dreamforce as well. And we'll have a great time out there. And hopefully I don't embarrass myself on the stage. No, it'll be it'll be great. We know where we can find Casey on Monday, at least, right? I was going to say, Monday Monday night. It's the second year in a row. It was fun last year, too. And there's a Bills Backers Bar in Chinatown. So shout out to them. I have to look up the Gold Star Cafe, something like that. So I'll have to, if we can shout them out. But I'll, we'll be there Monday night. So that'll be fun. Second year in a row. It's like a tradition now. Dreamforce awesome. primetime Bills game. And primetime on the West Coast is fun when it starts at five o'clock it gets brutal yeah, it was of, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah staying up till like midnight and then waking up with the two-year-old at 6 a.m oh gosh so west coast prime time i'm looking forward to it well thank you everyone for tuning in and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review to learn more about silverline you can subscribe at the to the silverline blog at silverlinecrm.com or follow on linkedin twitter and facebook at silverline crm that's one word silverline crm We'll see you next week.